My name is Phoebe Dubar, also known as IKSRE. I'm a vocalist, viola player, music producer, certified practicing sound healer, and card carrying audiophile who experiences the world through her ears. And over the last couple of months, we've dived deep into the topic closest to my heart sound. What is it and why it makes us feel the way it does? We've spoken to experts and I've treated you to a few sound healing practices along the way. Welcome to the final episode of What is Sound? Recorded on the stolen lands of the Boonarong and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. Always was, always will be. Look closely at the most embarrassing details and amplify. Brian Eno's Oblique Strategies. So it seems kind of ridiculous that I saved speaking to a musician until the last episode, but here we are. Finally, a chat with a musician, a person who makes songs or music and gorgeous ones at that. He is a multi-instrumentalist, producer and label boss with the gorgeous Policies imprint and has dozens of releases under his belt. He's pretty much the definition of prolific, but not only that is his music absolutely stunning to boot. If you've ever been to one of my sound baths in real life, you've probably heard one of his albums as you've been settling in because I play them all the time. And I was also lucky enough to collaborate with him on a couple of tracks last year and there may be some more on the horizon too. Would you please introduce yourself to the What Is Sound listeners? Who is this? Hi, uh, my name is Brad Deschamps. I am a musician from Toronto, Canada. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Amazing. Thanks, Brad. And you are also known, better known as? As Anthene. Anthene. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So I start the podcast with the same question I ask everyone, and I'd love to hear your answer to this. Try not to overthink it too much or overthink it. It's up to you. It's a big one. What is sound? Sound, I guess sound to me, I mean, has always kind of been associated with music. Uh I've been fascinated and kind of obsessed with music since I was a kid in various forms from like punk music when I was a teenager to just like indie rock stuff, ambient music, post-rock, classical music. Just, I don't know, to me, it's just always been something I've been fascinated by. And I think it was kind of when I started recording my own music that I really started to imagine other sounds is also being uh, potentially part of field recordings, samples, whatever they have here. And that that's what it like really kind of hit me that like would incorporate all these different worlds into, into music. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I can totally empathize with that. And I mean, I know exactly what you mean by field recordings, but for someone who might not know, what exactly is a field recording? Um, I mean, to me, it's essentially recording, uh, just found sounds, sounds that you, you know, hear when you're out for a walk or when you're 
sitting in your backyard or just whatever you're doing, or in some cases recording. Um, I have a hydrophone to record sounds underwater. Um, oh, do you? I've used on a few recordings. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I've kind of brought it up to um, a cottage the last couple of years when I've gone with my family. Just kind of stood in the water holding a, <laughs> a kind of portable recorder and a, holding a microphone in, in the water like a fishing wire. Like <laughs> I'm trying to look insane to anyone going past, but it captures some interesting things. Yeah, what kind of useful. sounds do you get? I mean, I'm assuming there's no whale, I mean, whales or anything. <laughs> no, it's more like, yeah, I guess you get like, I mean, I kind of am a big fan of the sound you get literally just running it across the sand on the floor of like a lake or something like mm. these kind of scratchy textures which are kind of cool and uh i mean even then just the sound of dropping it in the water you get that like plonk kind of sound and it just picks up yeah just random little things if you leave it in the water and splash the water while you're standing over it you get these little different uh, textures coming up kind of interesting that's so i've used it a handful of times don't overuse it, but <laughs> yeah, that is unreal. So when you when you're getting field recordings, I know me personally. I I usually am trying to capture like a whole, I guess, soundscape. That's what I really what really sort of gets me inspired. That sort of soundscape. So you're also trying to capture just individual sounds as well, too. Yeah, I would say any recordings I make are pretty short, mm. um, less about capturing, you know, if I say I'm sitting outside, I'm, I'm not necessarily capturing 10 minutes of, you know, wind and bird song or something. It's more about, so that's me. I don't know. Yeah. See, I, 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 I don't know. I find I've, I've never, I mean, I've done that, but I haven't found a practical use for it mm. when I'm like making music for some reason. I feel like I, it, doesn't always mesh with what I'm doing. So I'm kind of become more into even I just, I, I mean, see, I play field recordings. A lot of it is just sitting in my den where my studio is. Just like, what can I make sounds with and then record them into either a microphone or this really weird lo fi app that I have on my phone? Mm, what is that? That you can then manipulate. It's called Virtual Recorder. Um, I can't find it anymore in the Android store. So I hope. I don't ever lose it, but you can record something into it and play it back um, at any speed you want in forward or in reverse oh, and yeah. adjust all the playback speed. Uh, it, it's a free app. But anyway, I find it very useful. So just for recording, you know, it's as simple as like, I don't know, marbles on a table or something mm. or 30 seconds of sound of that, play it back, manipulate it, see where you get kind of an interesting textural sound where you can't tell what it is anymore it just becomes sound just something that i can integrate into a amazing so that's really drawing out those particular frequencies and actually turning them into something completely unique yeah yeah exactly just to get like i don't know i like texture so it's like i record a lot of most of my music is quite melodic i think in mm. the sense that there's like chord progressions and some structure and then it's nice to have these kind of textures under that are kind of more mysterious, I find. Yeah, 
That's that's unreal, and I think that describes your music so perfectly. It's it's textural but melodic at the same time because a lot of music in this sort of you know in inverted commas ambient sphere is um, very long form and and doesn't move a lot. Um, but that's what's so gorgeous about your music, and that's why I've loved working with you so much because um, and loved listening to your music because it's that there is that melody to it and that which I think I don't know. I think it gives people the opportunity to maybe connect with it a little bit more as well too. The melody is what sort of draws out those emotions maybe a little bit more. I mean, I think so. Like I, I connect with it more as a result. Like I've made pieces that are kind of longer with less structure and like less focus on melody. And I'd say 95% of the time I end up scrapping them. Because I, I just feel like I listen back and I'm like, I, I have nothing to grab onto here. So I either try to rework it and build it into something or just forget it and start something else. Because I just feel like they're, yeah, I've always kind of liked. But I mean, I spend more time listening to non-ambient music than I listening to ambient music. So for me, it's both music that's melodic and like the latch on to, you know, lyrics or phrases or piano or guitar melodies or whatever it is so yeah it's, it's attempting to i guess do that but in ambient music i don't know yeah yeah i i feel a similar way as well too it's um it's i didn't i came from it you know making different styles of music as well and and i think that that sort of comes across in in what i do as well too and it's the same with you so what, what did what was your background i haven't actually you mentioned punk before is that like where did how well, did how did brad become anthene like what what was the progression like what's what was your earliest musical memory and like what you know all the way through well yeah like what, what I, the origin well, I story <laughs> origin story <laughs> i started playing guitar when i was like 12 i think 11 12 um and i was you know into rock music or whatever and then punk music and kind of i learned guitar based on you know power chords and all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. play and that kind of music and then gradually i kind of got into more like kind of indie rock kind of stuff i was in bands kind of while i was in university and stuff um, I played in a kind of post-rock sort of band while I was in my mid-20s. Um, and during that point, I uh, met my friend Mike, who I made music as uh, North Atlantic Drift with. And we kind of started making something a little bit more kind of ambient sounding. Um, just the two of us kind of producing more... I don't know, synthy kind of music. And uh, a couple of years after doing that, I started recording my own stuff. I wasn't super comfortable with my own skills producing things on my own uh, until I kind of did some of that music with my friend Mike. And then I, once I kind of record, started recording on my own, I felt like I kind of got better and better at it. Um, yeah, then I started releasing stuff. It took me a few years to like, like okay i'm gonna put a tape out under me as empty mm. and that was how long ago how long was that ago 2015 was the first one i put out and i just counted on spotify i think it was what 22 albums yeah something like that it's bonkers. Uh, there's probably more on bandcamp oh. there's probably more on bandcamp than that 
because a lot of times I don't bother uploading to Spotify. Um, I don't know. It's it started. Um, I think the first album I did with Mike as as North Atlantic Group was 2012, 2011, one or the other, and uh, we we did it like four or five albums. And yeah, once I started doing my own, it just I don't know. I just felt like for a period I was just like recording, 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 releasing stuff, sending stuff to labels, just trying to get stuff out there. Um, it's been a bit slower since I've had a child, but I've <laughs> tried to slow. Still right. that. not that slow, but I, you know, it's been different. I'll put it that way. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there and, uh, I, I mean, I'm happy with most of it, I think. So it is nice, beautiful music. And, um, <laughs> and, and actually on that with the, the, child thing the child thing <laughs> me too being the the mother well you're clearly a father of a child um I'm a mother <laughs> of a child um I 100% you know I came to writing this style of music it was almost a form of therapy for me when I was in those early days of motherhood and just exhausted and and I would sit down and and work on a song while Stella was having a nap and nap and nap <laughs> nap and um and she you know, that's how that music came to me. It was almost this form of therapy. And actually our mutual friend and member of our little Twitter <laughs> chat group, um, Cynthia actually, thing, yeah. yeah, Cynthia Marina, she tweeted something gorgeous the other day around, you know, how lucky are we as musicians to be able to, you know, process our experiences through this music. And uh, it was something along those lines. I didn't you know, have to find the exact wording. Um, and I'm just wondering whether, you know, fatherhood has been – part of that for you you know using music to actually processes the highs and the lows of of being a parent i think so i mean i i have found like days or you know weeks when i when i find the time to actually sit down and even if it's just you know picking up a synth or a guitar for 20 minutes um i do find mentally you feel a bit better about things just because mm. it's like you know you know you know how it is it's it's exhausting sometimes being a parent it's some days are harder than others um so when you can actually find time to you know do something you enjoy doing um you know whether you're recording a track or just like around for 20 minutes it's still you there's a sense of gratification and i think there's yeah. a sense of like yeah, you can kind of let something out a little bit, right? Like whether you're, I don't know, with me it's anxiety, whether you're anxious or whatever about what's going on, at least it allows you to kind of take a minute and breathe. And, and I get what you're saying because obviously I feel that with your music as well, that like it does have a kind of balming is not maybe the right word, but a very kind mm. of soothing effect, right? Mm. Um, so the process of making it, also probably has that kind of effect on you, right? Mm, like while, oh, you're, while you're doing A hundred percent. Right. People often ask me yeah. if I feel relaxed um, when I do a sound bath. I don't um, purely because um, it's all giving um, and 
being mindful of other people's energy and often I take on what other people are releasing, letting go. So it can actually be quite a draining experience for me doing a sound bath. Everybody else is chill and relaxing, absolutely. Um, That's the point. But um, for me, it can actually really zap me and sort of drain me. And I know we spoke about this, I think, over email a couple of times last year, you know, at the end of a busy weekend. I'm like, oh, Um, but um, writing music in the studio is totally different. You just get lost in this world and you just, oh, and like even just having your instruments around you, it's just, it's just fun sometimes, you know. You're just yeah, like, what I am know. I going to do now? Oh, my God, I'm going to turn on that synth. I haven't used that for a few weeks. I actually realised yeah, that like, I hadn't. I could try this. Yeah. yeah, I apologised to my mo, my mo grandmother the other day because I hadn't played it for a few weeks. And I was like turning it on going, I'm sorry, baby, I haven't, t- haven't played you for, for a few weeks. You know, and it's like that. There's these fun toys. So actually, yeah, on that, tell me what, what toys have you got? I know at one point when we were um, making something, you were like, I'm going to add some harmonium. I'm like, harmonium. I was like, yay, you've got weird instruments too. <laughs> so talk me through, talk me through going from like more predictable, like, yeah, I've got you know, synths. Although, have you got a really weird, cool synth? Um, I have. I have far more guitar stuff than synth stuff. Um, I I now have too many guitarists. I, I've gone <laughs> a bit nuts, and they're all even. Actually, my wife said to me the other day, the one I one I got last week looks very much like another one that's here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it looks similar, but it's different, I promise. So I do have several guitars. I really, really enjoy, um, I, kinda, I have these like hollow body electric guitars. Um, personally, I have a Guild Starfire I really like, and I just got this Fender Coronado, which is like an obscure Fender. It's like a hollow body guitar. It's kind of strange, but mm. I think it's really cool. But we're playing with those. But I have a lot of pedals and stuff that I've been running stuff through to get weird some weird textures um and i also have the moog moog, moog oh, no, i always say moog as well too and then people correct I, me and they're like no it's it, moog I'm i like, know oh, i don't know i know but i just it's like one of those things that was in my brain for years and years mm, of me moog, too. and now <laughs> i can't get it out mm. um i have a little korg mini log oh me too um, they're great yeah they're fun i haven't either of those in, in a while and I have a little Juno, not one, well, not an original Juno synth. One of the reissues that Roland did. It's like a little tiny one, but it sounds pretty identical to my ears. Too. That one, I, I think that's probably my favorite one to play because it's easy to just pick up and play something and it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas you got to do a little bit of like fine tuning with the other ones. Right? Sometimes I don't really feel like messing around. Yeah, usually, like, that's the thing with the grandmother. I love my grandmother, but um, it usually involves, you know, you can't just turn it on and just go, duh, and do a thing. I know. (laughs) Exactly. But in terms of weirder stuff, I use, uh, I do have a harmonium. Mm -hmm. That's a good story. My wife actually brought it back from India. Mm, Tell Uh, me more. When was that? She, she, uh, we got married, 2010. She went there to actually get a, a wedding dress. And, um. I kind of just jokingly, not joking, but I asked if she could, if she found any cool instruments like a harmonium. I'd love one. Not thinking she would really buy one and try to bring it back. So she actually did buy one and it came in like, she had to check it on the plane, obviously. It came in like a little case. By the time it like made it home, the case was destroyed. Yeah. But the harmonium was still intact. Oh, amazing. So, um, so it's, it's, it's such a nice sound. Yeah. Um, 
kind of play it sparingly. It's a bit loud. So mm-hmm. like obviously a lot of my music time is when my daughter's asleep. I can't really just pull that out and start like <laughs> It's almost like an accordion, you know what I mean? Like that, like loud kind of sound. Um, totally. But then I have a kalimba that I use sometimes. I like to use that for just kind of random phrases, reversing them, uh, pitching them down, whatever. And then uh, tongue drum as well. You could pretty much do a little mini sound bath with that stuff. <laughs> I probably could. See, but like, like you're saying, um, I know you you just said that you find it a bit not not like uh, you find it kind of exhausting doing the sound bath. I feel like I would find it very anxiety inducing <laughs> having to perform in front of people who are trying to relax. What if I, you know, accidentally well, play the, something? The thing awful is, that, you know, the thing is, it's all about when you actually, um, and this is the thing, I. Don't get nervous before a sound bath because it's actually not about me. It's actually about them and their experience. Mm -hmm. And so once you actually just surrender to that and just go, they're not judging me. My job is to actually help slow down their brainwaves, help them drop into the parasympathetic nervous system. You know, it's a totally different thing to a performance. A performance is like, oh, my God, people are watching me. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be like, oh, that chord was crap or, oh, she messed that up on viola or, oh, that note was a bit off or kind of thing. Not, I mean, look, 99% of the time your audience isn't doing that, by the way. Your audience is actually just behind you and going, isn't this great? And they're not noticing all the stupid little mistakes. Of course. Like there was, it was yeah. great that I did a gig um, last year, and unbeknownst to me, but the um, the there was like a lead on my um, viola microphone that was just starting to come a little bit loose, and when I went to play um, a particular song, it just popped, and it then got looped this pop, and it was like this, and it sounded, and I was like, oh shit what is oh my god and of course because it was layered I couldn't there were so many other layers like it was just I had to just roll with it and at the end so many people were like mm-hmm. oh, that firework sound that was just amazing and it just took me <laughs> it was like okay <laughs> cool yeah yeah but that's firework the sound. It. like with this with this kind of music you could mm. accidents often sound like they're part of it like that's exactly. just exactly you know I mean? like Exactly. Unless you hit like a really, really, really wrong note. Totally. <laughs> Everything else sounds like, like oh, that I like that weird crackling sound. It's like, oh, that was my looper pedal turning on or something. You know what I mean? It's like. Exactly. It's, sometimes it works. And I've, I've used a lot. I'm sure you've probably done the same. A lot of stuff that ends up, not a lot of stuff, but some stuff that ends up in my recordings is like something accidental. I'm like, oh, that actually sounds kind of cool. Totally. Maybe I'm going to turn up that frequency in. EQ it so it stands out even more. Like a hundred percent. That's the thing. There's um in the Brian Eno oblique strategies cards. There's one something. It's like find the mistake and amplify it or something. Have you got the? No, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Have you got yeah, those yeah. cards? Yeah. Well, I've got the app. I don't, I don't have know, the cards. But I, I know what you mean though. He's, you mean. It's actually an app as well too, which is fun. So occasionally I'll pull that out. Um, but yeah, it's like that yeah, one, find that one's so true. Find the mistake yeah. and then amplify it. Just make it bigger. See what happens. 
worst that can happen is yep. you're going, yeah, that didn't work. But the same thing happened with me. I was editing a, a song recently and I was cutting out little um, – I think I was talking to yeah, I was talking to you before about those headphones that sometimes make creaky noises. And when I was recording the vocal, it happened to pick up a couple of creaks. And I was going through and editing out the creaks. But I realized that once I edited it out, a couple of the creaks were actually adding to the song. Once they had reverb mm-hmm. on them, they actually created this texture that when it was taken out, I went, Oh, it's not the song anymore. You know, it's you know, it's interesting because I know um uh, obviously you spoke that we've done a few things together. I, I seem to remember we did a piece mm. and, um, and and this is, I guess, the beauty of collaboration as well, because obviously we're our own worst critics. Ah, totally. So I think you did a vocal addition to a song. And I think I remember you saying that there was something like a crackling or something oh, that you're like, right. like, oh, I just noticed. You're like, I just noticed this weird sound. Whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I heard that. I thought it was great. <laughs> like, let's leave. <laughs> you're like, like okay. we, should, we should EQ that out. I'm like, actually, no, I think we should leave that in. That sounds great. <laughs> You know, because I was like, that sounded intentional to me almost, right? Like, that's kind of the... That's the thing. That's the thing. More pops, more crackles. And that's the thing as well, too, you know. Often it's the the intent behind the performance. As long as the intent's there, you don't need that perfection. You, you, you strive mm-hmm. for perfection and you actually focus on the wrong thing. You lose the intent, which is where the emotional connection is, I think. I think so too. I mean, I find, I actually find it distracting sometimes listening to music that is too perfect. Mm. Because it's just, because you're right. It's like, yeah, the kind of emotional experience or whatever, it disappears a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it doesn't really sound like this was made by a person, you know, using their equipment. It's more like this was something that was like, recorded 50 times until they got it just so and then even then they made sure they took out any weird little it's like you can leave that stuff in yeah absolutely as miles davis said you know there's there is no mistakes just you know if i think you know his thing was you know if you make a mistake do it three more times and it just becomes the melody or it becomes the the hook right and exactly. I often I often do that actually, particularly because sound baths are always improvised. There's occasionally melodies that I'll go back to, or I'll find myself on the handpan. I'll be like, "Oh, I'm playing the melody from one of the tracks on Awake Within the Dream." I'll just do it without even realizing it. But more often than not, vocally, what I do in a sound bath is totally improvised. And often I'll sing something, and then I'll sing something else, and I'll go in my head, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that," but I'll be like, "Stuff it! I'm just going to do it a couple more times because then it no longer becomes a mistake. It actually." becomes purposeful then it's you're like oh yeah. yeah everyone's like oh they meant to do that there's like a nice hook there exactly or whatever it is right like <laughs> exactly so make mistakes kids and then just amplify them do them more and yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like i know it's very true go to music school and then um, just throw it all against the wall did you go to music school no i did not did you go to music school? I think you did, right? I did. I, I, when I was growing up, I played in orchestras in the Melbourne Youth Orchestra and mm-hmm. all the junior orchestras that lead up to that. And then I did year 11 and 12 at the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School. And that's kind of the, the training ground for most professional musicians in Melbourne, um, certainly in jazz and classical anyway. Um, and I, um, and that was for viola. 
Yeah, yeah, Viola. And um, I, I didn't go to, um, I didn't follow on and do uni. Um, long story, but I had talk about, you know, horrible teachers that changed the course of your life. Um, yeah, long story, but I, I really lost, um, faith in myself despite being the lead viola in the Melbourne Youth Orchestra. And, um, I just, I completely lost faith in myself. And so ended up going and doing some other things for a few years and sort of thinking, oh, I need a backup plan. I still played in bands and everything. Um, I left school and pretty much joined a band. We just wanted to be Radiohead with a female vocalist. <laughs> and, okay, yeah, and we're yeah. doing all that kind of stuff, which is heaps of fun. And then got into more dancey stuff and electronic stuff. And, and then, yeah, about, 12 years ago I just went whoa what am I doing I'm spending all my time doing the backup plan and not enough time doing music so sort of did a full 180 and and um yeah got back into full-time music versus part-time music and full-time other stuff so yeah that's how right yeah but um I, yeah no it's insane but how long when did you start doing sound baths uh I started training in that seven years ago yeah. So I started, I did my training with the Sound Healing Academy and then I think I took my first sound bath. God, I've lost track of time with COVID. <laughs> what is, what is oh, the years before I COVID? I feel like it was sometime in like late 2018, early 2019 that okay, I took my yeah. first sound bath. So, yeah, and just the need for it, it's it, – it's grown so much, particularly in Melbourne and around um, in the last few years. So it's just kind of whew, gone straight up. So, yeah. And I think particularly, um, you know, trained practitioners are really sort of in demand, um, which, is, which is good. So in terms of your inspiration, what what inspires you? Like, I mean, you've mentioned obviously recording weird sounds and, and using them and everything. What, what, you know, where does your inspiration come from? Um, it's difficult. I mean, what is my inspiration? I think Partially, it's just having been, I, I feel like I've just always been really overly obsessed with music. Like, I know other people, like some of my friends and stuff are, are also really into music, but I've just, I, I don't know, I've just always been very into it. It's mm. so like a weird, you know, degree, right? And it's just like, I know a lot of people, um, you know, once they're kind of in their 20s or whatever, they kind of, you know, move on from, the, okay, I played in a band for a bit, but now I'm going to be a serious human being. Get a real like, job, yeah. <laughs> get a real, I mean, I do have a real job, but, like, they kind of, you know, put all that stuff, you know, away as, like, a childhood thing. And for me, it was never like that. It was mm. just like, oh, I want to keep doing this. So it's like, um, I didn't always know that I wanted to sort of, like, you know, play in a band and play live. It's just like, I want to have some outlet for this. Um, and I guess, yeah, just gradually kind of morphed into this. And I think starting a label also kind of allowed me to really be active in music without even necessarily making it like feeling like I was putting something out there, um, you know, 
regardless of whether it's me making it or someone else making it, just something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a nice feeling. Like, I mean, yeah. And I, f- I feel like seeing other people, you know, start little labels, you know, do this kind of stuff is inspiring too. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can, mm-hmm. you know, kind of make this work. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a big inspiration for it. I mean, that's pretty obvious inspiration, I want to say, mm-hmm. but it's probably the truth. Um, yeah. And do you have moments, I certainly do, in terms of being inspired to write, I have moments where I'm just like suddenly hear a melody in my head. I'll often be listening to something else or, I mean, being out in the living natural world is certainly a major inspiration for me, but often I'll hear something. It's almost this compulsion, like I just have to record this. And if I'm not anywhere near my studio, I'll just record little snippets into my phone. I've got so many voice memos of little melodies and stuff. Yeah, humming. And then it's interesting because often I'll then go back and and start to write a song around that particular melody and and might be singing it. And then occasionally I've turned around and gone, actually, it's not working because that's not supposed to be sung. And then I'll be like, yes, that's supposed to be played on viola, that melody or something. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, do you have moments like that where you're just like, I just have to write, I have to, that compulsion? I I, I think, yeah, I mean, I used to, I think more when I was like, like writing more um, song, still song-based music, but like when I was playing guitar in like indie bands or whatever, I think that's where I'd be like, oh, I think like this melody in my head, I got to like try to, you know, translate that to a guitar or to mm. whatever else. Now I feel like it's like, I'll, I find a lot of time when I'll start making music and I come up with a melody. I don't know, sometimes like I end up scrapping that melody and some, building something else instead. It's like things build in a different way. So I find I've, I've been less, I don't know if that makes sense, but like kind of less focused on like if I have a melody, I need to get that down. Because I find sometimes the first thing I get down once I started adding layers around it, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe it sounds better without that first thing I did mm. <laughs> and then built it somewhere else, right? Like, So it's a bit of a different way of thinking than I, than I used to, I guess. Um, I know, I guess it's different. Obviously, if, if you're, you obviously use your voice and viola, those are both naturally very melodic mm. instruments, mm. right? Like, and so it, in that sense, it makes a lot of sense to be like I need to get this melody down and because when I listen to music that's like those things can always jump out right like you have a vocal line or a viola or something that sticks out there's a nice melody to latch on to so for you then is it more rather than that sort of compulsion to write is it more like you're finding the time and the space to actually sit down and write and you're like cool I've got 20 minutes I've got you know Safia's asleep. Yeah. That's big right now is like, yeah, when she's in bed, like, okay, let me kind of sit down and, and, and do something. And it's, like I said, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes, you know, you sit down and pick up an instrument and just play around a bit. And like, I don't feel like recording today. I'm not sure anything will come of it, so I'll play. Or just push record and see what comes out. Mm-hmm. And then try to edit little bits and pieces of it and say, like, oh, I quite like that. And then, I mean, there's there are often times where I could sit here and finish a piece in a couple hours, like just 
if, if something comes out, I'm mm. like, okay, I like where this is going. And instead of walking away and coming back here the next day and maybe not feeling as inspired by it, I'll try to keep adding layers and layers and layers and, you know, turn it into something. Um, so, yeah, it can happen quickly if I do it that way, but uh, it depends. I mean, that's an inspiration to do aren't, I don't know, overly exhausted or, or whatever. And I think it's just, you know, coming back to the doing it for the joy of it as well, isn't it? Because, you mm-hmm. know, we all started doing this because we enjoyed doing it and then suddenly it becomes something, oh, you're releasing things and then, you know, there's potentially expectation around that, like, oh, this one was mm-hmm. this successful so I'm hoping the next one will be and stuff. And So it's really hard to not let that sort of joy and the reason why you were drawn to it in the first place be stripped away from it, I guess. And... I think that's part of it too. Like I often people will say, you know, I can't sing or something, but I just love doing it. I'm like, just do it. Sing, sing, enjoy. Oh, I'm no good at the piano. I just really love to learn piano. I'm like, just go and learn, go and get some lessons. There's dozens of piano Mm -hmm. teachers in your suburb. Just go and find one, go and learn. You don't, you don't have to be professional. You don't have to get up on a stage and perform. If you, if, Mm -hmm. if you get joy from playing a piano as badly as it is, it, just do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know. It's, uh, yeah, there's so many options. Like, even actually, my, my, my dad, who's 75, is like he played guitar when he was younger, but dropped it. But a couple of years ago, he bought like a little cheap, you know, electric guitar and a little amp just to try to learn, yeah. you know, some chords and whatever, like, for something. It's like, why not? Right? Like, Exactly. No, that's that's the whole thing. Um, I was talking to a woman at, at Stella's school the other day, and she was saying that she um, she's Indian, and she said she'd learned sitar um, years and years ago, and then hadn't touched it. And she's recently started doing lessons again, and saying how much she's just loving it. And I'm like, just yeah, exactly. Play the sitar. You've got it at your house. Play it. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, exactly. Don't let it sit there and yeah. gather dust. Musical instruments want yeah. to be played. They want yeah. to resonate. It's just, exactly. I mean, I guess I think it's it's difficult for a lot of people because I see it's difficult to like make the time for it. Like, I think that's that's the issue that most people have. Our, our like society is built around you know you're supposed to work a nine to five job and then you come home and take care of your kids and you cook them dinner and like most people don't have the mental energy to then like okay now I'm going to sit down and learn an instrument. It's like, it's it's about trying to find that balance and trying to find the time to to do it. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you find the same thing, but some days it just, it's a challenge, right? Oh, absolutely. And then that's, they're the days when you need to, I think, actually just own that and actually get up and just walk away and go, it's not working today. It's just not working. Yeah, I'm not exactly. going to. Because otherwise it's almost like you're creating these neural pathways that are going to then in the future go, I don't want to play piano or sitar or viola or sing or whatever because I'm not good at that and I don't enjoy it. It's like if you're doing it and you're not enjoying it, you should just go, yeah, not today and walk away from it because mm-hmm. the days when it exactly. is joyful and I think it's almost actually acknowledging that those things do actually make you happy and just enjoying that because that's the thing. It's it's all too easy just to go, 
you know, I'm too tired. I'm just going to sit down and watch Netflix for three hours or something. But hey, you sitting down and just jamming on your guitar with some headphones on with some cool pedals and just getting some cool sounds out um, might actually fulfill you and actually feel you make you feel happier than you sitting and watching three hours of Netflix. It absolutely does. Like even if it turns into nothing, yeah, just, you know, yeah, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff to watch on TV, but some days you just, it's helpful to do something else to engage in something, you know, mm, like hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of cool stuff on TV, what is your favorite? This is a totally random question. What is your favorite um, music documentary or you know movie or something music related to watch? In case it's something I haven't seen, then I can watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the ones that that come to mind. Um, <clears throat> I remember really enjoying. I think the ones that jump out are, are, are obvious to me because I really liked the bands, especially. But there was a documentary on uh, uh, Big Star that came out back in twenty eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. It was after Alex mm-hmm. Chilton died. I don't know if you're familiar with Big Star. No, they were. Canadian? They were like uh, no, they were American. Um, they released a couple albums in the seventies. They were kind of like one of the first of those, like kind of, um, I don't know, like power pop kind of mm-hmm. bands, like very melodic stuff. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, they, they released, and then they they did like two two albums, and the third album, it's just really, it's got these like beautiful pop songs, and then these really grim, depressing pieces. But it's 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 my favorite of theirs. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I think they were probably doing a lot of drugs at the time or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, um, anyway, cool band. I remember really enjoying the documentary. Um, I'm a huge fan of low. Mm-hmm. So they did that doc. Um, uh, don't remember probably 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, you may need a murderer. Um, that's what it was called. But it was about Alan Sparhawk and his, his wife, Mimi. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of Low or... I do. Well, I haven't yeah. seen the movie, though. So I haven't seen the movie, though. Okay, yeah. It was a... It was a yeah, it was a doc from... Um, I think he, Alan was going through some, like, mental health issues at the time. It was a very kind of intimate look at them. And, uh, yeah, that one is, is, is great. And, man, I wish I could think of other ones. I've seen a lot of random... Music docs, but uh, can't think of any else off the top of my head. Have you seen? Um, I remember back in the day. I remember loving. Um, I'm trying to break your heart. The Wilco one from like 20 years ago, whenever that was, when they made uh, Yankee and Mailbox Crap. That was important too. Okay, Sorry. there's three more to add to my list. Then I was going to say, have you? Um, have you? Say, is your wife? I forget. Is your wife musician? No, okay. I highly recommend. Um, I watched with my husband, who's not musical at all, loves music and is really invested in in being a part of music, but just doesn't play anything. We watched the Mark Ronson um, series, which is okay. on Apple. Yeah. I think. Have you seen that? 
I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. It's yeah. actually brilliant to watch with a non-muso partner because yeah. he just was okay. like, oh, this is so cool. Like now I understand like reverb and distortion and stuff. And it was funny because um, the remix that I did for Tewkesbury – I was working on that after we'd seen an episode of um, the show. It's called Watch 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 That Sound or Watch the Sound. Um, and, <laughs> and I'd done this beautiful viola line. It was a beautiful melody and I was mixing it. And he was working from home that day and he came past. He's like, yeah, babe, I really like the viola. But he goes, I feel like it needs a bit of dirtying up, maybe some distortion. And I was like, ooh, look at you, mister. I know what I'm talking about after seeing Whoa. Mark Ronson talk. <laughs> yeah. You need a little bit more reverb. Yeah, totally. It was hilarious. And, and I did it. And then that's the remix now. So the distortion on the viola is all thanks to my husband and him watching Mark Ronson. So, <laughs> so it's, funny. It is. No, it's a really good, really good doco. But um, yeah, one that popped out immediately. Tewksbury is a fellow Canadian. Huh? I should point out. Tewksbury, he's, he's uh, from Hamilton, he I believe, which is, is an hour away from me. Oh, amazing. Nice and close. Hello, Canadian. Nice yeah. and close. Um, and, um, yeah, one that popped out immediately I just thought of, which I haven't seen in years, got to rewatch, is um, the Joy Division movie Control. Have you seen that? Yes. Yes. Mm. Like, the yeah, the one with actors playing the band, yeah, right? Yeah, that's unreal. I yeah. love that. Oh, it was the guy who played, I don't remember the actor's name, but whoever played Ian Curtis was amazing. So good. It was funny because I was yeah. never that much of a Joy Division fan, massive New Order fan, but um, I used to have mm-hmm. chats with my friend who used to always say, Love Will Tear Us Apart is the greatest song ever. And I'd be like, oh, I just don't get it. It just, no, just give me Joy, um, give me New Order any day. And then I think it was when I'd seen that movie oh. and I saw it and I just went, oh, my God, I totally get it now. And then I just went, right, that's it, mm-hmm. Joy Division 100%. I still love New Order, of course, but um yeah, I, I, I love them both. I, I mean, I'd probably enjoy Division if I had to. Um, I saw Keanu Reeves was on um, Stephen Colbert uh, recently, and Stephen Colbert asked him to pick like one song to listen to forever, and he picked Level Terrace Part by uh, So that was interesting. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that is, it is, it is uh, a brilliant song. But yeah, I totally. Totally got it after, you know, saying the full story and, and um, yeah, anyway. So I'm just trying to work out whether there's anything else that we haven't covered. Um, I guess one thing that I want to know is like, you know, how do you, how do you, um, how do you relate to music or how do you experience music as a musician? Like, is it physical? Is it emotional? Like how, how do you experience music or sound as well too? Like, yeah. How do you, how do you experience that? Um, I mean, I would, I would say emotionally, probably. Um, like, yeah, ever since I was young, I remember, like, you know, I'd go to bed, but then I'd sit in my room and just listen to tapes or CDs, you know, and just like, just absorbed in albums, just, and, you know, certain things hit you a certain way, right? Like, um, and I feel it's kind of the same way that the kind of music that you and I are making, it's still there's like this emotion that it draws out, I think, right. That you kind of can, can latch onto. Um, but I mean, I mean, you know, speaking of joy division, like that's a reason to, to really engage with their music is the emotion in it. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's hard not to like listen to it. And just go like, Oh my God, like this is, you know, 
obviously knowing the whole history of them and all that stuff, it becomes more devastating, but like it's still kind of connects with you emotionally. Um, I feel like that's how I've always listened to music. Like, yeah. And so it'll be interesting. How about yourself? It will, it'll be, I'm exactly the same, very much emotional and, you know, and I was just thinking that it just raised a thought in my head around, um, you know, AI music. And I was just thinking then, you know, particularly, you know, I mean, on the surface level, you could say, yeah, sure, a robot can write an ambient track because what is it? It's just textures and layers and, and you know, absolutely, you know, but would it be good Potentially, probably not, because if it's stripped of the emotion, like how can you quantify that emotion? You just can't. I feel like, and yeah, it's it's weird. Ambient music is tricky in that sense because, like, how do you really differentiate what's good and what's bad? Like, I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, why do I like this, but I don't like this? Because mm. someone else, an outsider listening, would probably hear them both and be like, sounds same do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. but i i have this weird distinction sometimes i'm like no i don't really connect with that and i don't know exactly what it is all the time it's not like it has to be overly produced it doesn't have to be perfect but there's just something tangible about some things that isn't there and others like i don't know i don't know if you find the same thing but like i don't you know there's so much about there i don't connect with all of it mm. But why is it that I connect to something more than something? No, exactly. What is it that makes you, like I was listening to um, Alex's latest show, Pacific Notions show yesterday, and there was one song Mm -hmm. by a Japanese artist. um, What was his name? No no Turn, I think it was, or Non-Turn. And it just absolutely blew me away. And I had to stop the car and immediately jump on Bandcamp and download the latest album because it was just like this is just so gorgeous. I mean, what was it about those particular frequencies that, that just absolutely right. hit me here? And I thought I have to, I have to get this album immediately. And yeah, it was funny because yeah. then he followed me on Twitter last night because we were both on the same show. And he followed me on Twitter and I sent him a message and was like, "Oh my god, I love your music so much!" And then I thought he's Japanese. He's probably like, "What?" <laughs> I hope he speaks yeah, English, yeah. or he'll use Google Translate and it'll be a really weird translation. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like who's this crazy person from Australia? But um, but yeah, what what is it that that made that drove me to literally stop the car and and immediately I I, go and buy it? Go, yeah, I know because I find that too. There'll be something I hear. I'm like, oh my god, I have to go back up and yeah, like you said, download it or whatever. Mm. But like, yeah, why? It's it's the same thing with running a label. I get sent demos and. I mean, to be fair, I don't have a lot of time to be releasing a ton of music. So I obviously am, I feel bad. A lot of the time I can't get around to listening to everything. Mm. Um, but it's true. Like, I'll, I'll be like, oh, I'll put this on. And sometimes something I just hear and go, wow, this is amazing. And I don't know what it is that made me, like, I can't even identify why did it. It's different than, like, if you're listening to a different type of music. Like, even, like, I listen to a lot of, like, pretty quiet, like, folk music. Usually, you know, the tone of the singer's voice or something will draw you in. There's something mm-hmm. there that, like, you can say, oh, I know why into this or whatever. But with Andy, it's trickier. And I still can't put my finger on it. 
No, we'll work it out one day. I mean, I've done this is now eight episodes of this podcast and I'm still no closer to finding out that answer. I feel like it's something to yeah. do with frequency and resonance within us, but also maybe combined with memory and maybe there's a sound or a particular frequency in that song that reminds you of something else which then connects you to something in your past, like a good a good experience or something or who knows. I mean, if you want to get woo-woo, it could be something to do with past lives or, you know, I'm convinced that my daughter was Japanese in a past life because she just everything Japanese, like ever since she was a baby, just eats it. And she's quite choosy. She's not fussy, but she's choosy with other foods. So anyway, I'm apropos of nothing. I'm convinced that she was Japanese in another life, but, um, um, that is interesting because my, my daughter is very choosy with her food, but she eats. She's four and a half, and she eats sushi. Yeah, like veggie, vegetarian sushi. But of all the things to be into, she likes, you know, tofu, rice, yeah, vegetables, sushi. Yeah, that's like her. There you her go. Go-to. Well, I think we discussed getting our daughters in a in a girl band at some point. Did you end up getting her a synth? I didn't. Oh, I was damn. going to. I, I, I kind of thought I might wait another because I kind of thought this she might not enjoy it yet, and then it'll just you get something gets like you know pushed aside. Mm. Drink five this year. I feel like this might be the year to do the the what's something called the uh, the bleep box. It's a little yes, yeah. So for listeners, yeah. it's a it's a. <laughs> A little synth that's designed for kids um, and it's got pre-programmed sequences in it so they don't need to actually play the notes. They just kind of hit a button and it it makes a melody and then the kids can do all the fun stuff, which is the tweaking of the filters and changing the speed and changing the pitch and all that kind of stuff. So, And it's got flashy lights and, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So who who plays it more, you or her? I never actually play. At one point, I grabbed it and oh, tried okay. to put it through my um, my avalanche run pedal to see what would happen, and then it was just kind of all a bit weird, and then I totally lost focus. But, yeah, you've reminded me I should actually have – maybe I'll do that after I finish up <laughs> with you. I'll go and sneak off while she's at school and go and steal her students. That's what I, honestly, that's what I pictured too. Like I would buy it for her and she would push it aside and I'd be like, what can I do on this? Yeah, totally. It's um, – yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I bought a tongue drum the kalimba with the attempt of like these are little simple things she could just hit and she does enjoy playing the time mm. just hitting it with a mouth one um but yeah then i ended up just like all right i'm gonna put them in my studio and i will record with them absolutely 100 <laughs> <clears throat> percent yeah well i think that's a good note to wrap it up on the fact that we still haven't i still haven't worked out what makes sound um do what it does um we'll just have to continue the conversation but um thank you so much brad before we finish up what what have you got coming up what has anthene slash you slash polis sees polis lees there you go <laughs> polis sees that would be a very different label i think <laughs> <laughs> uh, or even like polo sleaze like <laughs> some guy in a polo shirt just like sleazing that 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 could be quite funny i can say a full meme around that yeah <laughs> Polo yeah, sleeves. A, a sub label with like, I don't know, some punk seven inches or something like that. <laughs> um, what do I have going on? I I, um, I have a couple things on the label that are in the works. I think yeah, there's a couple tapes coming out in the summer. Um, I just released two CDs by uh, Moss Cover Technology and uh, Gamarda Fungus. Um, uh, Igor Yalovic is in that project. He did an LP on the label a couple years ago. 
Um, and myself, I have there's an LP coming out on Oscarson, a collab with Simon McCory that I think heard. The LP was delayed quite a bit, so the digital's already out. We're kind of waiting for the vinyl to arrive. Uh, I think it hopefully should finally be out end of this month, I think. Um, and I just sent something to uh, a label called Archives, based in Spain. Um, it's going to release something in the summer on CD. Uh, uh, it's, I guess, uh, Mana that runs the label. I he's released a couple things one week before. And then there are things later in the year that are uh, still being finalized, I should say. I, I, I can't imagine what you're talking about. <laughs> I can't, can't either. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's what's on the go right now. Um, and, and I'm just kind of working on random stuff at home, see if anything comes of it. And where can people find you? Your, your policies everywhere, aren't you? <laughs> Not polo sleaze, that's... <laughs> Someone else. No, you can try searching Polo Sleeves and come see what comes up. I guess. But <laughs> I'm seriously going to search for Polo Sleeves immediately. Put your <laughs> I bet put your safe on search on. I bet there's someone on Instagram with Polo Sleeves. Let's say Polo Sleeves, Polo Sleeves, Polo Sleeves. I should follow them. Is there an account called Polo Sleeves? No results. There you go. There's a gap in the market, Brad. You should. This is an opportunity. Opportunity for you me. can. This is where you can just like release another type of music completely and just be like completely. Yeah, yeah Polo Slays. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's gonna be. It's gonna be the next big thing. So it's um, Polar, yeah, as in P O L A R Cs, as in oceans, plural. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I've got Instagram, Twitter, everything just under Polar Cs. Um, that I do announcements for the label or myself or those pictures of cats. So what you'll find there. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you so, so, so much. It's been an absolute joy to chat and to, and just to hang out again, to see your face again after lots of emails and tweets and, and messages and stuff. It's been an absolute joy and can't wait to see what else yeah, comes out of you. your your incredible musical output and looking forward to diving diving into it as it as it comes out. And in well, closing, in closing, I always um mention that, you know, I'm not I'm not sort of doing a Patreon mm-hmm. or anything like that. I sort of say at the end of every episode that um, if people do want to direct any funds or, you know, feel like you know doing something good for the world um that there's a chosen charity for each um each episode so had you thought about a a charity that you'd like to highlight i mean i tend to go for one that's very close to home it's toronto cat rescue that's where i got my cats from and i feel like it's a very worthy place to donate money to rescue cats that are in like bad situations in the city, like yeah. boarding situations, all that kind of stuff, and they try to find them homes. Cats. Yeah. It's a bit of a soft spot. Amazing. So, Toronto Cat Rescue. Toronto. Amazing. Yeah. I'm 100% behind <clears throat> that, being a cat mum myself as well. So I know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so, so much again, my friend. And, um, yeah, I'll see you in our little, little ambient twitter dm group (laughs) amazing thank you 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat that I had with a wonderful friend and incredible musician, Brad Deschamps, otherwise known as Anthene. I really strongly suggest you go and check out his music, uh, either purchasing it on Bandcamp, where he actually receives a royalty directly from it, or from uh, Spotify, which obviously is a streaming service. So do what you can, but check out his music regardless. And keep in mind a donation to the Toronto Cat Rescue if you feel like showing any kind of monetary appreciation for this episode or the podcast in general. So in summary, I guess this is where I leave you guys. Uh, I set out to educate you all on sound, what it is, uh, and have chats with different people about their different perspectives of how they experience sound and what it means to them. I hope you'll agree that we've covered off a lot of ground in that regard. We've had everything from the more uh, physics side of things from Jimmy all the way through more esoteric uh, understandings of sound from gorgeous Geraldine and Adriana, of course. We've spoken to Brad from the musical perspective and dived into the idea of inspiration and music making and where it all comes from. And of course, the most amazing chat that we had with Lionel as well about sound of country and how we can really deeply connect with nature and the sounds of the natural world, the living world, as I like to refer to it now. And of course, Tony from the Sound Healing Academy, who's doing such wonderful work. If you're interested in learning more about sound healing, I do run little workshops in Melbourne, but they're very basic. If you really want to get into it and do what I'm doing or what other qualified sound healers are doing, I strongly suggest you check out the Sound Healing Academy. The courses they run are absolutely incredible and it will really set you up with a lifetime of knowledge and who knows where it might take you. So thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, This is the last episode and I may do a series two. So if you enjoyed it, please be sure to reach out and send me a DM or send me a message on the contact form on my website. You could even make suggestions as what you might like to hear in a follow-up series. But for now, I'm going to jump back into the studio and continue working on my fifth album. I'm kind of at this point where I needed to have a little break from it and then come back to it with friends years and I'm so fired up and ready to dive straight back into that. Meanwhile, what else have I got coming up? As always, I'll be doing regular sound baths around the beautiful city of Nam in which I live. Uh, so keep an eye on my Instagram page. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my email as well too, you can shoot me an email at music at gmail.com and I can add you to my email subscription list. Um, I've got a couple more little collaborations coming out and uh, yeah, there's, there's some more little things that I can't really talk about but for me it's really back into creating my next album and where that takes me in closing I guess what is sound to me I don't think I've actually answered that question as far as I'm concerned sound is everything it is everywhere Uh, it's quite simply the world around us and it's a way for us to become present Um, It's a way for us to notice and remind ourselves that we are alive and to connect us with this present moment and what is happening. Um, It's inspiration, it is emotion 
And as one of the beautiful little people in the intro and first episode said, which I just absolutely love, sound is inspiration flowing through the air. And with that, I'll leave you. And thank you so, so much for listening. Please like and follow and share this podcast. And as I said, if you want me to do another one, please uh, make sure you reach out. Because if I hear enough people telling me they want to hear another series, hey, I might do one next year. Thank you so much, guys. And until we next speak, you can find me on Spotify, Instagram, everywhere else as I-K-S-R-E. And in case I hadn't mentioned it already, it stands for I Keep Seeing Rainbows Everywhere. Meanwhile, guys, keep your ears and your hearts open.